On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. It's just amazing to see the bonds and the friendships and the connections that form even after night one of Leadership Iowa. A unique program that brings community leaders from across the state together has had to adapt to a virtual meeting world. The reopening of business across the country has already led to reduced unemployment rates. And we'll meet a business whose products keep workers and the workplace safer. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of June 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Leadership Iowa is a well-established program that connects business and community leaders from across the state in a unique year-long set of experiences. But with stay-at-home policies being in effect for the past three months, this year's Leadership Iowa class has experienced a very different curriculum. Jesse McQuarrie is Director of Programs for the Iowa Association of Business and Industry Foundation. Leadership Iowa has been a statewide issues awareness program, an opportunity for Iowa leaders from across the state uh, to come together and learn about all of the different issues impacting Iowa and Iowans. We select 40 individuals every year for the program and bring them to eight different communities throughout the year to discuss different issues and meet with community leaders, statewide leaders, to discuss all of these important topics from agriculture and renewable energy to healthcare to education and government and economic development. So they really get to take a deep dive into what's going on in our state and what's important. And they get to make some really valuable connections, some great friendships. And this program, as you said, has a legacy in Iowa. We've, we've been around for over 37 years. This is our 38th year, coming up on 39 very quickly. And we're, we're just excited. And we're excited to keep going and have, have a new group with us soon. It really has created over the course of four decades a very unique networking opportunity for individuals to truly unify different aspects of the state. Absolutely. We have more than 1,200 Leadership Iowa alums, and they are spread across the state and beyond. So we are just really fortunate to have this really strong and powerful network in times like these, that is key and important, and they've really come together as well. So we're very fortunate to have some excellent leaders and who have gone on to take what they've learned in Leadership Iowa back to their communities, made some really cool connections or collaborative efforts, even with their other class members or other Leadership Iowa alums. So we've, we're, again, fortunate to have the support of a lot of great people across the state. We have said that leaders have to adapt to changing situations, and this is the firsthand example of that. Obviously, you've not been able to visit all eight communities or have a graduation ceremony. How has the program evolved and adapted in the age of COVID-19? 
Well, like everyone else is doing today, we've made the pivot to maintain and continue our work in what's really become this completely virtual space, virtual environment. With Leadership Iowa, we quickly turned the corner here in April for to have our first virtual Leadership Iowa session, and it happened to be on the topic of economic development, which was really at the epicenter of a lot of things happening at that time. So again, we we had some really great alums. We had some great session planners. We are doing so again next week. We've got our final session on healthcare, which is again, another very timely topic and a big industry to be talking about right now. And we're learning and adapting along with everyone else as leaders should do. The next year's class has not been selected because you can still apply for it. Talk, if you will, Jesse, about the application process, what it is that you look for as you assemble the class, because it's not first come, first serve. You're trying to blend a very unique, disparate group of people into what becomes a collective whole. So talk about the process, if you would, along with the deadlines. Yes, we are currently in our application period for Leadership Iowa 2021, which started on May 15th and will run through June 15th. So applications are due Monday, June 15th by midnight. So we'll get a lot of emails and questions and excitement coming through, which is always good to see, especially given, given the time and what we're all working through right now. Um, we're excited to see that we still have plenty of applications coming in. Every year, we have several more applicants than what we can select in the class. Narrowing it down to the 40 individuals who ultimately participate is not an easy process. So we have a fantastic selection committee uh, who is comprised of Leadership Iowa alumni from all across the state who are passionate about the program and are interested and invested in the individuals who are selected to participate. And really what they're looking for with those applications, we do have essay questions that we ask on there that help us to really gain more insight into the applicant and into the individual, more than just their title or their background or what industry they're working in. We want to know what their leadership potential is and their interest in being involved in leadership especially in their community, because we want to know that these individuals are really going to make the most of the Leadership Iowa experience and are hoping to make that change back in their communities. So we're looking for leadership potential. We're looking for diversity is a big part of the selection process. For us, that means diverse opinions and backgrounds, industries, locations in Iowa, so all of the ideas that could go into that, we want the best mix and, as you mentioned, blend of a group of Iowans to come together. And it ends up being kind of a, a small think tank every year. So we want those diverse opinions and ideas and perspectives to come to these discussions and to come to these sessions and, and get what they can out of it. I suppose in a perfect situation when you have the first meeting, you have 40 people in a room and no one knows anybody in the room. In other right. words, you have 40 total strangers. The only commonality will be that they're participating in this program. And again, by the end of the one-year period, they have built relationships that they could not possibly have achieved otherwise. 
Absolutely. That is that is ideal that they come in and they feel a little bit uncomfortable. And um, but it's a level playing field for when you come to Leadership Iowa. A lot of these individuals may come in and they're used to having to be the only voice or the, the main voice in the room or the expert in the room. Well, now they're coming in and they're in a group of 39 other experts, 39 other leaders who are also expected to have those same qualities and characteristics, whether it's in their workplace or within their community. So it levels that playing field out and it's just amazing to see the bonds and the friendships and the connections that form even after night one of Leadership Iowa. Jesse McQuarrie is Director of Programs for the Iowa Association of Business and Industry Foundation. We spoke via Zoom this past Thursday morning. Again, the deadline to apply to be a part of the 2021 Leadership Iowa class is Monday, June 15th. More information is online at iowaabi.org. Click on the ABI Foundation tab at the top of the page. You can hear our full conversation by listening to the special IBR Extra podcast. Find it at iTunes, Google, or Apple Podcasts, or by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio program's link. Still to come, unemployment is high, but improving, and using technology to prevent health issues in the workplace. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Though many Iowans have been working from home lately, roughly 80% of Iowa's workforce has still been reporting for duty as normal. I'm Mike Ralston of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, inviting you to join me in thanking Iowa's manufacturers, healthcare workers, and first responders for their efforts during the pandemic. Working together, Iowa will be back soon, stronger than ever. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. The global economy shut down abruptly in March with the advance of the COVID-19 pandemic. That led to crushing unemployment levels. But there are already signs that the reopening of Iowa and the rest of the nation is paying dividends in terms of unemployment numbers. For example, the number of people filing initial unemployment claims in Iowa continued to fall, according to data reported this past Thursday. Iowa Workforce Development says 6,920 people filed initial claims that week, a drop of nearly 50% from the previous week. While there were 165,195 continuing weekly unemployment claims last week, that's down by 13,000 from the previous week. The largest number of claims came from people employed in manufacturing. Then Friday, in news that stunned analysts, the U.S. unemployment rate fell to 13.3% in May, as 2.5 million jobs were added. Forecasters had feared that the unemployment rate might be as high as 19 or 20 percent. Instead, a drop from 14.7 percent in April to 13.3 percent in May. And those numbers were before many areas of the country began to reopen. 
The May job gains suggest that businesses have quickly been recalling workers as soon as their states allowed. There's other evidence to suggest the job market meltdown triggered by the coronavirus has bottomed out across the country. Coming up, meet a company that in just a few years has become the market leader in workforce wearables. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, we meet Gabriel Glenn, CEO and co-founder of Make You Safe, a West Des Moines-based company which was formed to show that workplaces can be made safer by proactively gathering data about a worker's environment on the job. And as I found out when Gabe Glenn and I talked via Zoom this past Wednesday, the company has evolved to meet new business needs. Make You Safe is about a four-year-old venture-backed Iowa startup. And about four and a half years ago, I was touring around the country, visiting with manufacturing leaders, doing a podcast called the Advanced Manufacturing Podcast. And uh, my father, who's a safety manager, has been a safety manager for about 20 years, was at his facility. And I stopped in to, to grab lunch with him one day and just got a better understanding of what he was doing. And uh, actually got a chance to be at a facility when some folks from OSHA came in to do a surprise environmental audit of the facility because some of the employees had reported hearing loss. And so just some fortuitous things all kind of came together where we recognized an opportunity that if we could be constantly monitoring, gathering data from the environment around a worker the hypothesis was we could kind of do what we do with weather forecasting today, right? If we're gathering this kind of data, we can begin to see what are these magic confluences of elements that accelerate risk and present risk to a worker. So that, that's what Make You Safe was founded on, was this idea of let's create a, a wearable device uh, that can go directly on the worker because we knew uh, how much the environment can change just in a matter of a few feet inside of a facility. So let's gather that data that's representative of what the worker themselves is experiencing. Let's process that data in the cloud using machine learning. And then that gives us better opportunity to be more proactive in the way that we approach safety instead of waiting for OSHA to have to come in and say, hey, some bad things have happened and it's time to, to figure out if you're responsible. That's very proactive and forward thinking. You know, it's interesting, Jeff, when I first had the concept for the company, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to figure out how, how big of a problem is this, right? Is it, is it worth investing my capital, my time, trying to get other folks uh, excited about this? And what I discovered was more than a thousand people every day lose their life in a workplace accident on this planet, right? So that means well more than a million people have died since I started this, this project four years ago. Um, and, and in the United States alone, more than a billion dollars every single week are spent on worker compensation claims, right? Those are the insured accidents, right? There's all the other extra costs and, and certainly the, the, the tragedy of a loss of, of life and the mental challenges of the workers that witnessed it. And all of these things added up to this is a significant problem. And we believe that by gathering the right data, we can begin to understand uh, uh, way more about the workplace environments and those exposures 
also, interestingly, many of these things are governed by laws, right? There's laws that say a worker can only be exposed to so much sound or a worker needs to, to have X amount of light uh, to be able to, to do their work safely. And so what we're doing is we're saying instead of just spot checking or checking when a problem happens, let's just gather this all the time. And then uh, we can send notifications and alerts and aggregate the data to understand when and where those, those inflection points are happening. Without getting into proprietary information, let's say I was an employee at one of these manufacturing operations. You said the device is worn by an individual because, again, I might move from this part of a shop floor to a break room to whatever. Talk a little bit about, from a physical standpoint, how this all works and then gets to the cloud to where you can actually analyze it and sort it. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about, you know, one, the placement of the device. It's a, it's an on a very comfortable elastic Velcro armband that has a holster and the device is about the size of a little bit bigger than my thumb. Um, and an employee checks that out of a kiosk when they come in for work, they, they clip it into their armband and that's it. They don't have to really do anything to interact with it if, if they don't want to. They just go on about their work. And I think it's important, too, to point out what it doesn't do. We're not looking inward at the employee. So we're not taking biometric information. We're not checking blood pressures or heart rates or, or skin moisture, or stress levels, things like that. We're really trying to be an advocate for that worker that's saying, you know, this, this is the environment around the worker and what they're being exposed to. We also monitor human motion, right? So we're able to tell, you know, that the G-forces and the amount of physicality in their work, we can detect things like slips, trips, and falls, which as many of us know, if somebody trips over something, but they don't actually fall and get hurt, that the likelihood that they're going to go report that to somebody is slim to none, right? But that's an important leading indicator because whatever they tripped over, somebody else is probably going to trip over it and actually get hurt. So we just try to automate all of that stuff so that the worker can just focus on their job and so that safety and operations people can get better insights into what's actually impacting that worker. How well has this been received by, and we've been talking primarily about manufacturing, but it could be any office environment, but how well has this been received by business and industry? Incredibly well, and really in a, in a couple of places. One, in the beginning, we're, we were focused on folks like my father, right? He ran safety at a very large logistics facility here in Iowa. Before that, he was a machinist, right? So we were focused on folks like him, helping him do his job better, handling some of the reporting and compliance issues and stuff with our software so that he could be out of his administrative role and into his active engagement role. So we found organizations where they're, they're self-insured, they have safety and operations people, they have a lot to gain from this. But we also found the insurance industry became a very big advocate for us. Uh, certainly, you know, the obvious reason would be if we can help reduce losses, accidents, loss of life, serious injuries, that kind of stuff. They benefit financially, but they also really truly want to be a safety partner for the companies that they're insuring. There's a lot of benefit across industries. Well, this is all good. This has all been in existence well before we ever heard of a thing called COVID-19. How have you, and, and I'm intrigued by this because you saw a situation and created a company to fit. Well, now you have the company and now new external situations come up this can be an offshoot or a derivative of what you do with regard to this new term that we call contact tracing. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, you know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I have a very talented uh, co-founder and business partner, Mark Frederick, and his vision for the technology platform from the beginning was to create a very versatile 
set of technologies that can work in harmony with each other. And so we have the, the wearable device, right? That's our little data factory. That's what produces all this data. And we've got our software platform that manages and processes all of this data. And because we've built a foundation like that, COVID-19 comes along and many of the customers that we're working with reach out to us and say, hey, because you guys can detect the location of a worker in a facility, is there any way that you guys can tell me who certain people were around? And the magic of this was that was already all there in our data. We just weren't applying it. We, contact tracing wasn't in our vernacular, you know, 90 days ago. Worker density wasn't in our vernacular 90 days ago, right? These things have happened because we now look at it and go, we have this very rich and robust set of data. And yeah, we know where Gabe was. And yeah, we know where Jeff was. And so, yeah, we can tell where Gabe and Jeff next to each other at all during this two week period or whatever period of time they want to do. And so it put us in a really good position to be able to help people instead of doing the, the cumbersome interview and pulling out the notepad and saying, all right, Jeff, who, who have you been around for the last two weeks, right? In a factory of maybe a thousand people, we can automate some of that kind of stuff. And that helps make workers, I think, a lot more comfortable going back to work, knowing that if somebody does unfortunately get diagnosed with a communicable disease, even beyond COVID-19, right, we can figure out who maybe has been exposed and get those people out of the workplace so that uh, the others don't get exposed as well. Everybody is looking for a way to make sure that their employees feel valued and safe. And what's great is that conversation was happening, Jeff, before COVID-19. If our technology can help them do that, that's a good way to show value to the workers. Gabe Glenn, CEO and founder of Make You Safe, online at makeyousafe.com. That's spelled M-A-K-U-S-A-F-E, makeyousafe.com on Twitter at Make You Safe Corp. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll hear about a program based at the University of Northern Iowa that helps businesses from their inception to transfer to a new generation of leadership and everything in between. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.